Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 11th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, strength of those who hope in you, graciously hear our pleas. And since without you mortal frailty can do nothing, grant us always the help of your grace, that in following your commands we may please you by our resolve and our deeds. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Ezekiel. The Lord says this, From the top of the cedar, from the highest branch, I will take a shoot and plant it myself on a very high mountain. I will plant it on the high mountain of Israel. It will sprout branches and bear fruit and become a noble cedar. Every kind of bird will live beneath it. Every winged creature rests in the shade of its branches. And every tree of the field will learn that I, the Lord, am the one who stunts tall trees and makes the low ones grow, who withers green trees and makes the withered green. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, it is good to give thanks to you. Lord, it is good to give thanks to you. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your truth in the watches of the night. Lord, it is good to give thanks to you. The just will flourish like the palm tree and grow like a Lebanon cedar. Lord, it is good to give thanks to you. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God, still bearing fruit when they are old, still full of sap, still green, to proclaim that the Lord is just. In him, my rock, there is no wrong. Lord, it is good to give thanks to you. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. We are always full of confidence when we remember that to live in the body means to be exiled from the Lord. Going as we do by faith and not by sight, we are full of confidence, I say, and actually want to be exiled from the body and make our home with the Lord. Whether we are living in the body or exiled from it, we are intent on pleasing him. For all the truth about us will be brought out in the law court of Christ, and each of us will get what he deserves for the things he did in the body, good or bad. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The seed is the word of God. Christ is the sower. All who come to him will live forever. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the crowds, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man throws seed on the land. Night and day, while he sleeps, when he is awake, the seed is sprouting and growing. How? He does not know. Of its own accord, the land produces first the shoot, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. 
And when the crop is ready, he loses no time. He starts to reap because the harvest has come. He also said, what can we say the kingdom of God is like? What parable can we find for it? It is like a mustard seed, which at the time of its sowing in the soil is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, once it is sown, it grows into the biggest shrub of them all and puts out big branches, so that the birds of the air can shelter in its shade. Using many parables like these, he spoke the word to them, so far as they were capable of understanding it. He would not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything to his disciples when they were alone. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So the first reading we have um, from the prophet Ezekiel um, has some really beautiful poetic imagery uh, about God's promise to Israel um, that he would raise up from David's royal line uh, a new king and a new kingdom. A Messiah, a king who would reign not only over Israel, but the Messiah will be the king of the whole world. Listen to this. The Lord says, from the top of the cedar, from the highest branch, I will take a shoot and plant it myself on a very high mountain. I will plant it on the high mountain of Israel. It will sprout branches and bear fruit and become a noble cedar. Now, it's beautiful, lyrical language. From the very pinnacle of David's family tree, the Lord will take a shoot and raise it to the height of Israel. Now, spoiler alert. Notice where the Lord Jesus is crucified on top of the hill of Calvary, the mountain in Israel. And it's there that the shoot becomes a noble tree. Ezekiel goes on, every kind of bird will live beneath it. Every winged creature rests in the shade of its branches. It's a tree that extends its branches and all the other kingdoms of the world will flock to it. It's beautiful imagery. But really, to feel the weight of the prophecy, we need to take a moment to consider who Ezekiel was and where he came from, and more importantly, when he lived. So Ezekiel, he was born into the priestly tribe. He was a temple priest. He ministered in the temple in Jerusalem at the time of the Babylonian invasion. So we're talking around the year 600 BC. The kingdom of Judah was completely overrun. Its armies were crushed by the Babylonians, and Jerusalem was occupied. Jehoiakim, the king, and the ruling class of Jerusalem were carried off into captivity. They were all exiled in Babylon. Uh, It's modern-day Iraq. The kingdom was crushed. The temple was destroyed. The Ark of the Covenant was taken into captivity, and the best and brightest had been carted off. Ezekiel, as a temple priest, was among those who had been deported to Babylon into exile. 
And he was writing his prophecies for those Israelites who were suffering this exile from their homeland. And if you think about it, this prophecy, it's almost comical. It sounds like a joke. Israel has been completely routed, the king deposed, the country is under occupation, and anyone who could possibly lead a revolt against the invaders was in exile in Babylon. In this most desperate situation, Ezekiel prophesies to the exiles, this tree will become a noble cedar. Every kind of bird will live beneath it. Listen again. Every tree of the field will learn that I, the Lord, am the one who stunts tall trees and makes the low ones grow, who withers green trees and makes the withered green. It seems almost unthinkable. Sheer folly by worldly standards. Israel, let's face it, they've never really been a world power. In fact, by worldly standards, Israel appeared to be the most pitiable and powerless. They were completely dominated by the Babylonian horde. But here is God making his promise that he will send a Messiah, that the chosen nation of Israel will bring forth this new shoot out of which this tree for all the nations will flourish. What we see here in the first reading is an example of the ways of God. And this is what Jesus is talking about in his two parables in the gospel today. To what can the kingdom of God be compared? It's like a seed, a tiny mustard seed. It starts out small, almost nothing, but it grows to become the biggest shrub of them all. And when we look at the life of our Lord Jesus, we discover something similar. In his suffering and death, the body of our Lord Jesus was the seed that was planted in the earth. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, he says, it remains a single grain. And we know what happens after the resurrection. But what could be a greater sign of defeat? than the humiliating crucifixion of Jesus. Just like the Babylonian exile, Christ's promise of being a seed who would bear much fruit must have seemed completely void of meaning. Those harassed and dejected disciples, they must have thought it was all over. Well, in the second reading, we heard a little throwaway line, which I think turns out to be a very important one. St. Paul says to the Corinthians that we go by faith and not by sight. You know, we live in a very empirical world. If you can show it to me, if I can see it or touch it, if I can measure it and do experiments on it, then it's real and it's a valid source of knowledge. But there are many different categories of knowledge by which we read the world. We understand the world through politics. We can look through the lens of economics, through culture, through art. We understand the world through science. And all of this is true. It's good and it's valid. But this doesn't describe the fullness of knowledge. Because as Christians, we also go by faith. Ultimately, 
the story that truly counts is the story that's written by God. As Christians, we understand that in the midst of culture, politics, economics, art, science, there is God accomplishing his plan. In the midst of history is the logic of the mustard seed, the logic of the kingdom of God. And this is a logic that is supplied by faith. Christians see the world. We're in touch with reality as much as anybody else as we understand the world according to these conventional categories. We don't turn away from the world as human reason understands it. But through faith, we obtain a new way of looking at the world because we understand that God is present in history, accomplishing his plan. Remember the one who planted the seed? It grows by night, by day. How? He doesn't know. The Christian is able to recognise that there is something that we don't know, which is truly going on, which God is truly accomplishing. And so this was the great genius of the prophet Ezekiel. Conventional wisdom and categories of understanding see in the Babylonian exile that Israel is politically ruined, economically bankrupt, culturally destroyed. But Ezekiel could see through faith that Israel was still a chosen people. And Israel was still to receive the promised Messiah. Israel was to become the source of this great shoot that would provide shade and shelter for all nations. As Christians, we walk by this kind of vision. As Paul says, by faith and not by sight. Because we know that the world of economics, politics and cultures are shaped not only by worldly forces, but also by God who is among us, bringing about his plan. A mysterious plan, granted. No doubt, Ezekiel struggled to see how the disastrous Babylonian exile would serve in God's plan. No doubt, the disciples failed to see how the crucifixion would end up being Christ's great victory and the establishment of the new covenant. But this is God's logic. It's the logic of the mustard seed. So, this is the gospel of incredible hope, especially to those who suffer. And at the moment, the church is suffering. It's suffering under the weight of its own history as it copes with the grave consequences of the sexual abuse crisis. The church is suffering as contemporary culture strays further and further away from its Christian foundations of morality. The church is suffering because the gospel appears irrelevant to a country that says God's just an imaginary friend that immature and unenlightened people speak to. Let's face it, the church is suffering because its own people so often Don't walk by faith, but only by sight. The church is suffering because of a lack of priests, a lack of lay people, so few coming to Mass. You know, the litany goes on and on and on, and all it speaks of is decline. But we're Christians. We go by faith and not by sight. Sight would say that... I'll likely be among the last generation of priests in Australia. But we go by faith. Because in the midst of history is the logic of the mustard seed. Within this history 
is God accomplishing his plan. So, the upshot of all of this, for us who walk by faith and not by sight, is that we never give up on God. The world isn't determined simply by what ordinary perception tells us, because the eyes of faith reveal to us that God's kingdom grows like a seed. Night and day, while we sleep, when we are awake, the seed is sprouting and growing. How? We do not know. And when our sight gives us cause to be pessimistic, we walk by faith, knowing that God is present, working in silence to bring about the coming of his kingdom and drawing all to himself. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.